0: Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. So I am so thrilled that you're here tonight. It's week four. Wow. Two more weeks, ladies, two more weeks, and then it'll be a minute before we meet together again. But I, uh, I was thinking about week one with three baptisms, unpacking that imagery that the Lord has, that our salvation experience is different from the water baptism experience, which is our public declaration. And then this baptism of the Holy Spirit that I believe is not just a one-time thing, but it really should be a continual baptism of everything that He has for us, a continual infilling of what He has for us. And then the second week, when we talked about Just the nature of who the Holy Spirit is and His name. And that that we've been taught that He's a ghost or a spirit, but our limited English language doesn't always give us the biggest picture, right? And that He truly is wind. (sighs) He is breath. He is life. And we talked about Him being the wind in our sails and how powerful that can be if we just stop trying to row our way through life, right? And then last week, we talked about the imagery in Scripture and how the feasts were fulfilled and how they will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back. And we talked about Pentecost and, and that Jewish holiday and why that matters. And, and tonight... I I really want to unpack some of the questions that were submitted last week. In our circles, I really felt the Lord wanting the questions that you have about spiritual gifts and about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wanted you to submit those because I, I believe that the Holy Spirit even guides through our questions, right? And so tonight... We're going to unpack some categories that were represented in many of the questions. And if I don't get to yours tonight, forgive me. Hopefully, we'll have time to address them in the next two weeks. But tonight, right before I left, my kids, I study from home usually on Thursdays because it's less distractions until my kids get home, (laughs) right? And so uh, my parents always send money for us to buy the kids little trinkets for the holidays like from them right so tomorrow in case you didn't know is valentine's day right and most of us don't care at all except for (laughs) no i care okay uh but my kids get super jazzed and they know this routine of my parents sending little cards or little trinkets or something so they burst through the door today from school, Izzy rides the bus, and, and Fulton got picked up, and they burst through the door, and where, where are the gifts, where are the gifts, where are the gifts, where are the gifts? And I was like, it ain't Valentine's Day yet, you got one more sleep, kid, you got one more sleep, right? And, and they were dying to know, where are the gifts, where are the gifts, and not one time did they say, yeah, I don't know if I want that. And they don't even know what it is, right? But not one time, without the gift being laid in front of them, not one time did they say, I probably don't want it. Why? Because they know their father. He's a good father. And he knows them. And especially the mama with the Amazon account knows them, Right? And my prayer for you tonight, exactly as we just sang, how good our God is, that even in the times when you don't fully understand all the gifts He has for you, that you will still rush to Him, rush to Him, eagerly desiring whatever it is He has for you, knowing that He knows you better than you know yourself. And that he has nothing but good things for you. And so my prayer tonight as we unpack these categories, my prayer is that you will have that revelation. That you can lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father whose love for you is better than any other love. So tomorrow when you wake up, if you're not celebrating an earthly love, or even if you are, Understand that there is a love that is like none other, and His love for you is more than enough. It's more than you'll ever even be able to fully receive. And so my prayer is that your Valentine's Day will be consumed with that realization, right? Let's get to the Word. We are still in the first two chapters, Week four, 30-some-odd chapters in Acts, still in the first two. I think it's safe to say, ladies, we ain't getting through all of them. And that's okay. That's okay, because I believe that he wants to lay this very solid foundation for all of us. Well, we're going to start in Acts 1. We're going back, back a little bit more to make sure everybody's on the same page. We're going to start in verse four. Scripture says, on one occasion, while he, meaning Jesus, was eating with them, meaning the disciples, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, meaning don't start on the assignment that you know you have. Don't start on it yet. Wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, guys, even though you know your assignment, even though you know that you are called to build my kingdom, you ain't ready yet. You need some power, right? Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, even after walking that long with Jesus, they still didn't get it. They still didn't get that his kingdom wasn't of this earth. And so they're still having all of these questions. And he says to them, verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. Meaning, guys, Your focus is still on the wrong thing, man. You're trying to get everything planned out to know every single detail. And Jesus is saying to his guys, if you knew, you wouldn't be able to handle it. So just trust me. Trust me. I've got you. Right? Verse 8. Instead of trying to figure it all out, instead of thinking that it's important for you to know all the details, why don't you Wait, (laughs) you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's what's important. Not the details. What's important is that you receive his power. Power to do what? (gasps) Jesus says it. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But not just your neighborhood, not just your city. In all of Judea and Samaria, meaning the whole region. And guess what? To the ends of the earth. I want to talk about three categories, three areas, three areas of dealing with this idea of not only who the Holy Spirit is, but His giftings, His power, and His desire to work in and through you. And the first area, we'll say, the first set of categories that I want to talk about tonight is unity and desire. And it should be there in your notes unity and desire let's go back to acts 1 starting in verse 12 now this is after jesus just gave them that instruction it says verse 12 then the apostles returned to jerusalem so jesus has ascended into heaven that was the final instructions he gave and scripture says the apostles returned to jerusalem from the hill called the mount of olives a sabbath day's walk from the city When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Different Judas than what you're thinking about verse 14, they all joined together. If you have your Bibles or even in your notes, maybe you want to underline that. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So here you have this group of individuals that now has joined together, Scripture says, constantly in prayer for whatever it is the Lord has for them, whatever it is he has promised them. You can write in your, maybe in your margin, in your notes, in Acts 2.1, it says, on the day of Pentecost, they were in one accord. And that's not a Honda, Okay. They are in one accord, meaning they were all unified. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for a second. Because even the individuals that I just listed, we're talking about people of vastly different backgrounds. Vastly different socioeconomic backgrounds, vastly different theological backgrounds, vastly different status culturally. And yet, Scripture says that they were perfectly unified. How is that? Because friends, there is a unity in desire that is different from unity in our thinking. Let me, let me explain what that looks like. Have you ever been to Century Link Field? Okay, those of you that have either been to a Seahawks game or watched a Seahawks game can understand that. There is a unity in desire, right, that does not care about our differences. There is a unity in desire in what we're looking for and what we're craving and what we are rooting for and what we, were, we are even asking for that ignores all the things that we don't agree on. And we can get that in sports. Why can't we get this in church, friends? We agree on more than we disagree. And yet we end up fighting about the little nitpicky stuff. When we know in Scripture, we're told over and over and over again, just how much power is found when we are actually unified. Scripture says, Matthew 18, I don't have it in my notes, guys, so don't freak out. But Matthew 18 says that, Even if two or three of us agree, if two or three of us, not just a, yeah, okay, but if we are unified in what we are asking God for, if our desires are truly in one accord, regardless of our differences, God said it'll happen. If you look in that same chapter, he said, if two of you, two or three gather in my name, Meaning again, wanting what I want. Guess what? The Lord says, I'm there too. Because I want to be a part of that. He always will. There's power in this unity. And I even, I wrote down in my notes, denominations, and I'm not, I'm not speaking ill of denominations, but especially when you get into studying the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit You end up really coming across those denomination differences and what people in the church have argued over for centuries. And man, it's exhausting and it makes me so annoyed. But I wrote in my notes, in the margins, my notes are really wild looking tonight. Isn't that crazy? How do you even? Anyway, uh, I wrote in my notes in red ink, denominations form around agreements. Families form around a father. And maybe some of you have a hard time with that because your earthly father didn't resemble our heavenly father. So let me say it this way. Families form around blood. Because if you are washed in the blood of Jesus in the way that I am, we're family. It doesn't matter what we agree or disagree on. We are family. And if we start to focus on that, I believe it changes everything. Let's look at this. If we begin to truly be unified with each other in what we're praying about, what we're desiring. And that's why we have these small groups at the end of this session It would be a heck of a lot easier for everybody to just go home. But the idea there is to begin to form the unity that scripture talks about and the power that that brings. It's incredibly powerful. I wonder tonight if our prayers, if our prayers for each other and our prayers for whatever God has for us, if it wouldn't only unite us together but I wonder those of us that the Lord needs to unite even ourselves within ourselves let me explain there are some of you in this room that I know because the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about your battle there's part of you that really truly wants everything that God has And then there's the other part that is so mortified of what that could look like that your desires aren't unified. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I need for you to understand that scripture, the Psalms talk about delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, most of the people that I hear quoting that, quote it when they talk about something they want. I believe that scripture isn't talking about that. (laughs) I believe that the more you find your delight in the Lord, the more you dwell on who he is, the more you allow him to reveal himself to you, the more you spend time in his presence in a way that allows him to speak how he sees you, the more your delight is found in who he is, everything you want starts to change. He starts to pour into you new desires. He says, oh, you see how much I love you? Let me, let me tell you what I have for you. And then you start craving the things of him. And so if that's you here tonight... And you're saying, yeah, I understand the unity with my sisters in this room. My discord is found within. I'm telling you that the God of the universe can and will meet you where you're at. And if you will spend time, like we just sang, in the loving arms of a father that wants to just speak over you, then that unity will begin to form inside of you. And then your desires will be unified and purely wanting everything that he has for you. Unity and desires. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, follow the way of love. Meaning, don't run after these things for anything else than love. Follow the way of love and, everybody say And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, Paul goes into explaining how not everyone gets every spiritual gift, but that We are to eagerly desire the gifts that benefit the most people. So when you, and I'll get into that hopefully next week, but when you go through scripture and you read about what is referred to as greater gifts, it doesn't mean that the people operating in them are better than other people. It means greater, meaning the gifts that impact more people at one time. And so that's what Paul is talking about here when he says prophecy Because prophetic words were given in group settings and would benefit the entire body. And what I want you to see here is when I talk about unity, I want you to understand that I'm not just talking about our unity in praying together and eagerly desiring what the Lord has for us. I'm not just talking about that. I'm not just talking about the unity inside of you. I'm also talking about why the Lord has even given us spiritual gifts. And the whole idea there is always to benefit the body of Christ. See, so many people think, oh, no, I look at me. I can prophesy and that da, 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 da. Well, it's never to make your name great, ever, right? Even if, you, even if the Lord gives you the gift of healing, which I would really love, especially tonight, <laughs> it is never for you. It is to build up the body. It is to, what does that mean, Pastor Ashley? Build up the body. It means to draw people to the Father, to show people that there is a God that loves them so very much that He's sending gifts, going, hey, look, I'm real. Look, I'm real. Look how much I love you. I have all of these things for you, including forgiveness and eternal life. Building The church, the big C church, the kingdom of God. And that's part of that unity. And that's the second part I want to talk about. Specifically, gifts and fruits. We got quite a few questions concerning gifts of the Spirit and fruits of the Spirit. And what the differences are. And so I want to take a second and unpack that for you. 1 Corinthians 12, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There's a lot of things you can be stupid about. This ain't one of them. This is a big deal, right? This is not okay for you to be clueless about. Why? Because you have an assignment that's connected to this. This is a big deal, okay? That's what he's saying here. Verse four, there are different kinds of gifts. So there's all kinds of different gifts we're gonna talk about in a second, but the same Holy Spirit distributes them, okay? All comes from the Lord. Verse five, there are different kinds of service. There's ways that these gifts will play out in people's lives in so many different ways, right? But it's all the same Lord, And it's all for his glory. Verse 6. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now get your pens ready. I want you to underline the next few words. Now to each one. Underline each one. What does that mean? Everybody. Everybody. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I just want to stop there. Friends, if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, and guess what? Even if you're not, He has gifts for you that are just waiting for you. If you are on this earth, if you have been born or ever will be born, he has gifts for you. And I know that once we get to heaven, if there's a physical manifestation of any of this, we will see boxes upon boxes, warehouses, entire rows of warehouses of all of these spiritual gifts that people never received. Some of us in this room, I believe there's probably, I hope not, I pray not, but I'm guessing the Lord's going to go, yeah, Ashley, had that one for you. Where were you on that one? He has so much for us. And there, is, there are so many gifts for you, friends. But I want you to see the last part of that verse. There is a reason for the gifts. Why? For the common good. The purpose for every spiritual gift is building the church, the body of Christ. The power isn't for your glory, it's for His. Let's look at Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were unified. We talked about that just a second ago. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind Why was there a sound of wind? We talked about that, didn't we? Because God said his spirit. That's the definition. It was his symbol. This was a symbol he had used over and over and over in the Old Testament. It was his calling card. It was a marking, right? A violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Here's here's the other symbol. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. So it was fire shaped like a licking tongue. Have you ever seen a fire that looked like it was just licking things up? Tongues of fire that came and separated, right? It came to rest on each of them. So here, not only do they hear that loud sound, not only is it the wind that's blowing, but now they see fire, and it's basically on top of each person. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here's what I want you to see. In that moment, because it, it seems so confusing for us, and this is why I unpacked what I did the weeks before, because I need for you to see that What God was doing in that moment seems weird to you and me. But to that group of individuals, he was saying, this is me. You have seen people do crazy things in the name of all these other gods. You need to know this is me, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is me. I am speaking to you. This is my power. Not some phony power, this is my power. And that's what God is doing in that moment with those symbols. And it's so powerful. And it's so important for us to understand this. And I think that what you also need to understand, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit more in a second, but part of the reason people get hung up on tongues is because it was the very first one that we saw in the baptism of the Spirit in that instance. But friends, I want to reiterate to you, this pastor is a believer that God doesn't always do it exactly the same. Okay, so we talked about packaging. And I personally have seen the baptism of the Spirit fall on people Over and over in my life, I've seen powerful displays of what God can do. I have never seen fire on someone's head. Maybe you have. I'm just being honest. I haven't. So I will never stand on this stage and tell you that it has to look exactly like this or it isn't the Holy Spirit. Because I've never seen fire on someone's head. And so I... I think that part of what gets so scary and tricky about tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that there ends up being all these rules. And friends, I just don't see that in Scripture. I just don't. And so I want to encourage you tonight that God doesn't always do it the same. So just let the box be open. Because all of his gifts are good and perfect. Okay, I do want to explain the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. And this should be in your notes. Because that was a question that we got over and over and over. And it's a a really great question. Because there's passages in Scripture that talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And then there's passages that talk about the fruits of the Spirit. And sometimes those can be confusing. So I want you to look at your fill in the blank. And we have it here on the screen. The gifts of the Spirit are specific grace gifts, and we're going to unpack that term grace gifts in just a second, that are given, so that blank is given, to specific believers. Scripture is very clear, and I'm sorry we didn't have more time to unpack all of it, that not every believer gets all the spiritual gifts. Okay? Okay? It's specific ones to specific believers according to how the Holy Spirit wants to do it, right? But he does tell us to eagerly desire the greater gifts. So I believe that our desire and our asking him matters. I believe that. Now, I wanna show you, fruits of the Spirit should be growing in every believer. And what do I mean by that? So friends, as you walk in the Holy Spirit, as you walk in the Spirit of God, He is growing in your life and producing specific fruits. Now, what are those? They're found in Galatians 5. Let's look at that together. Scripture says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you know what? Most theologians believe that they're in order. So the first thing that the Lord will begin to allow to come out of you, you'll get a revelation of how much he loves you, right? And your capacity to love others will start to increase. And then guess what begins to come out of your life as well? Joy, right? And when he's able to produce more joy in your life, you're starting to see things differently. Most of the time, our circumstances don't even change. It's just the way we look at them, right? Once we start to find joy in things, what happens then? Oh, our life's more peaceful, right? Because we're finding joy in things that used to frustrate us. And then as his peace grows in our lives, forbearance which means we're able, we have patience, right? We're able to be patient with people. And so as that grows, then we're more kind. How many of you know when you're patient with your kids, it means you're more kind with them, right? And then goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, on and on and on. You see how powerful that is? Now, the fruits of the Spirit are for everyone. And every single believer is somewhere on that spectrum. Now, some of us are still trying to get that love thing, right? And that's okay. Some of us still can't really grasp the fact that the Lord loves us, so we're not really good at loving others, because you will never love others until you receive His love, right? And that some of us are on various means of that spectrum, and that's okay. But you need to know that those fruits, that's what the Holy Spirit desires to produce in your life. And the more you allow him inside of you, the more he will produce them in your life. So why do we always get worked up about this one gift? You see, what's interesting is I think, again, it's kind of packaging because we call it tongues. And I don't know about you, but as a kid, I kind of saw that big Rolling Stones tongue it's like coming at me or something, you know? Like, I, I don't know. It, it sounds scary. Tongues. I, you know, I, I think, I don't know, the guy from Kiss, right? With the mat. Like, just weird stuff. Do you know what tongues means? Languages. Okay, so what's actually happening on the day of Pentecost? So you have, go and read it tonight. You have all of these individuals that are gathering because there's a ruckus going and they want to find out what the heck is going on. These people are being crazy. And they're gathering and they're from different lands and they speak different languages. And so when these individuals, the apostles begin to speak in different languages, guess what? It's not even heavenly languages. It's those languages So when's the last time you got all heated and debated about somebody knowing Spanish? Now think about that for a second. And yet, that's what the church continually debates. The Holy Spirit came inside and gave them the language of the various people that were in the crowd. So for what reason? Unity. Unity. So that they would begin to hear the gospel in their language. And everybody's getting so fired up about it. Now, there are heavenly languages. And I want to unpack that for a second as well. But I want you to see that it's not even something that's so outlandishly bizarre. It's the power of the Holy Spirit for sure. But we've made it something so much more bizarre than it is in fact my my parents have a friend and he's an amazing amazing minister and they're connected with in all kinds of different ways but his name is Dr Mark Rutland and he has he has a story of when the holy spirit gave him specifically the gift of tongues. And and I'm probably going to botch the story because I don't know all the details, but the gist is this. He was ministering in a remote area in Mexico and they had hired an interpreter to be with him. And when he got on stage to minister and was speaking his message, the interpreter looked at him with big wide eyes and shook his head and then walks over and says, I thought you didn't know this language because the Holy Spirit gave him that specific language in that moment to speak to those individuals. He preached the entire message and my understanding is that to this day that language still flows from him in a way that he never looked at it in his whole life. Now, I need for you to understand this is this is some meaty stuff, guys. <laughs> because I believe that there is a prayer language available to every single one of us. Okay? A heavenly prayer language. And for me personally, and I believe it is for you as well. It has been so important in my walk with the Lord. When scripture talks about the Holy Spirit praying groanings that we know not of, go and read it. Scripture talks about how he will pray in our weakness. And one of our weaknesses is the fact that we don't know what to pray. And I've said this from this stage multiple times, but I'm... In this moment, nudge to share again, before Church for All Nations was offered, before this position of senior pastor was offered here to us for almost a year and a half, as a pastor, okay, as a pastor in this town, it was very difficult for me to pray in English. I'm not even kidding, in my own quiet prayer time, in public settings for sure, but when I was spending time with the Lord and would go to pray as I normally would, I found it so difficult to pray in English. I would just begin praying in the prayer language that the Lord has given me. And I honestly felt guilty about it. Because I was like, Lord, am I like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, like I just would go to pray and not know what to pray. Anybody been there? Like you just feel like, like, Lord, I don't even know, and so he's just praying through me. And I remember the very first time I realized that this is what the Lord had for us. And we walked out of a meeting with the elders and, and I heard the Lord say to me, "Your prayers were too small. I couldn't trust you to pray just what you wanted. Your prayers were too small, so I had to pray through you. And for me, that is what praying in the Spirit is. It's when I don't know what to pray, but He does, because He knows the whole picture. He knows what He desires, He knows what He has. Now, scripture also talks about it talks about tongues and praying in a heavenly prayer language, which I believe is for everyone if you desire it. But it also talks about the gift of tongues. And that can be really confusing. But I'm going to explain it like this. There's over 27 gifts of the Spirit that are listed in the Old Testament. Can I tell you, I don't believe that's all of them. That was never meant to be an all-inclusive list. Okay? Those are ones listed in those letters to those specific bodies. I believe there's more. But in that... It talks about the gift of intercession. Okay, well, guess what? We're all called to intercede. We're all called to pray. That's what intercession is. You, if you are a believer, you are called to pray. Are you not? But then there's also the gift of intercession. There's those individuals that intercession is so effortless. There's those individuals that their, their soul craves to intercede for other individuals. And do you see the difference there? So we're all called to give. Scripture is very clear about giving, giving to the needy and tithing and all of those things. But then you have people that have the gift of giving. Okay, and those people, God has put in their souls not only the ability to gain whatever it is, wealth or skill set, whatever, but also the desire to give that back. And it is so fluid in them. And they can't, they can't not do it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And that's the difference between what we're called to do, what we're commanded to do, and then the gift of it. Okay? Does that make sense? I want to make sure that we understand that. I'm not going to get too far. So I want, when Scripture talks about the gifts of the Spirit, I wanted to unpack that term. Because that term in the Greek is charis or charisma. And I wanted you to write that down because charisma in the Greek, which is where we get the word charismatic, right, which is usually a negative word in a lot of people's brains (laughs) because it's the people that are going, you know, crazy and the snake handling and that's not it, okay. Charisma means grace gift or a gift of grace. So the word for both of those blanks is grace, and so I want you to understand that if you are a believer, inside of you, there is a gift the Lord desires for you to use. It is a grace gift, at least one. For some of you, you have quite a few. And really, it changes even the way you see everything. So let me explain. Um An example, so if we walk into the lobby right now and a sweet lady is holding her water or coffee or whatever she ordered from the coffee house and she spills it in the lobby and all of us are watching. We're all watching the same thing, but we're all gonna see it very differently, aren't we? So according to the grace gifts inside of you, those with the gift of helps will immediately run over to her, right? And scoop it up and you'll start cleaning. And, and, then, and then the one with the gift of administration will already be calling for someone to grab the mop. And hey, uh, Pastor Angie, can you get her another coffee? This is what she ordered. And let's make sure this time that there's a holder so she, right? And then those of you with the gift of mercy will go over and go, oh, friend, I've totally done this. This is so me, right? And do you see? And those with the gift of teaching will go, okay, so maybe next time? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? We all have those gifts, friends. Pastor Angie and I were talking last week. And because we always laugh, because people don't realize what, like, a recluse I can be. Like, I I truly can just go in my cave, and I'm so happy there. Like, it's good. Like, with my books and my family. And, and she was laughing, and she's just like, no one knows that about you. Because you walk on stage, and she said, it's you, but it's different. And did you not? She said... You walk on stage and it's, you see the Holy Spirit flowing through you in a way that it's hard to describe. Well, that's because I have the gift of teaching because, and, and I didn't even know it when I was younger, but it was, it's one of those things where when I would learn something, like I couldn't wait to call someone and tell them. Like I needed to unpack it to them in a way that helped them understand it too. People that didn't want to know. You know what I'm saying? Like people that are like, yeah, I don't care about the original language. And I'm like, no, but you need to. Trust me, it's a big deal. Why? Because he put that inside of me. And everything I look at is through that lens. Whether I know it or not. This tongues thing, the languages part, can be so divisive. And it it breaks my heart because I even told the circle leaders earlier, I said, isn't it ironic, when it's not ironic because it's just how the enemy works, what God intended to unify the church The enemy has twisted and caused it to divide the church. And so I want you to understand, because some of you are like me. I said yes to Jesus in a very real way. The summer before my ninth grade year, I had a powerful encounter with the Spirit of God. And for me, that looked like crying. I cried a lot. And I didn't know why I was crying. Except for when I got up, it felt like I was cleansing. You know, like just getting all the gross hurt out. And I remember just weeping at an altar for probably a couple hours. And I remember that I I desired... I actively desired so desperately that prayer language that I'd been taught about. But I got to tell you, it just felt like, like maybe I just shouldn't do anything. I should just open my mouth, right? And that's the only way it's really God. Otherwise, it's me. And friend, can I just tell you that we serve a God that usually requires some sort of action from us. And that's my last point in case you're looking at the notes. Faith and action. You see, I I talked a couple weeks ago about how this part of God frustrates me. Like this is the part of God that he and I argue about a lot. It's this idea that in almost everything that God has for me, I am required to step out without fully understanding everything I'm stepping into. Okay? And, and with the prayer language, it's the exact same. And so I've used this illustration over and over and over and over, and I didn't want to use it tonight, but I'm going to tell you about it because it's such a clear one. And then I'm going to show you the new one that the Lord gave me. I've talked before about growing up in the South and drinking out of the water hose. Anybody remember that? When you're thirsty and you're outside and you're raising the country, then you just turn on the spigot, is what we call it, and you grab the hose and you drink from it, right? And the first few sips taste more like the hose than the water true story so for me I I will not project this onto you but I want you to know for me the first few times I'm praying in that prayer language sounded a lot like Ashley right then the more I let him flow through me in a free way the more I let him just have his way and I care less about it the more it tasted like Him. Right? It sounded like Him. And today I was like, Lord, give me another one. I want to help them understand. So I need the mic. (laughs) So I called Amber and I said, I need a radio. (laughs) Radio? Who needs the radio? A little dumb and dumber. Come on. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just throwing it in there. Okay. So I... When I was praying, Lord, give me, a, give me another way to show that, help them understand. And I thought about a radio. And the idea that the radio, you know, sometimes, sometimes you know, because the Lord is always speaking. The Lord is always speaking, whether we recognize it or not. The Lord is always desiring to pray through us, whether we recognize it or not. But what I want you to see is there's moments that you feel like are static, and then there are moments where you you just have to wait and tune in and say, "Okay, Lord, okay, Lord, I, I'm just I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna hear you. I'm gonna yes, yes, Lord." And why didn't I show you that? Because some of you are going through a season right now where you feel like, man, I don't hear him. I feel like he's so quiet. I feel like I I did have this flow of him through me, and then all of a sudden it just feels really dry. Friends, he is still there. He is still desiring to move in and through you in a powerful way. He just wants you to just tune into Him. Just block the other stuff out and tune into Him. Focus on how perfectly He loves you, how much He has for you, what He desires to do in and through you. And it makes it so much easier to just step out. For some of you, you have operated in some of the gifts of the spirit and i would say that the lord has a specific word for you as well and i found that today i found that i couldn't even get it off my mind and it's found in second timothy Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And I included this part because I love this part, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. My grandmother's name was Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Because some of you need to hear that You are creating legacy for generations. And you need to be reminded and encouraged in that. But look at verse six. For this reason, because what you do now affects generations. Because what you do right now, how you allow the Lord to move in and through you matters not just to your children right now, but to their children and to their children. So for this reason, he says, I'm reminding you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He said, look, I was there. I prayed for you. I, I know the spirit is on you. He said, but Timothy, you got to remember to fan it into flames. And then I love this next passage. Because it's one, you guys know my pet peeve, that everybody takes out of context, right? Everybody always quotes this next verse. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You've probably heard it like this. Uh, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Well, did you know that the verse before it talked about fanning into flame his gift? Did you know that the reason you're supposed to fan into flame His gift was so that you could actually walk in power, love, and a sound mind and leave that anxiety and fear behind? His gift inside of you not only will help you realize your purpose, it will help you walk in that purpose, that assignment, which brings you peace because you have your entire identity in Him. And some of you need to fan into flame that gift. And I thought about my sweet husband who's at home right now with my beautiful babies. And we have an affinity for fires. Anybody with me? Like we've had the AC on in the house and built a fire. It's just bad. I know, it's a sickness. And he's such a nerd like I am that he researched for six months, I kid you not, to figure out, the best way to build a fire in our little fireplace and our little wood burning thing and we found that what's called the European stack is the way to do it and I'm certain I have not done it here okay so don't, don't think that this is it but here's what I want you to see the way it starts is that a small flame and I couldn't do it in this building because I'm not going to let sprinklers turn on I want you to see the imagery. A small flame is put inside. And then what happens? When well, my husband goes and opens the window, he cracks it about this much. Why? Because you gotta let the wind blow through. Because, and you know what? If there's no wind, what do you do? You, you blow on it. Why? Some, some people have the really cool contraptions right the old school ones that blow into why because the fire needs wind don't miss it friends the fire that he has put inside of you some of you have let that fire die down the desiring of everything he has for you. You still love the Lord. You're still saved. You're still going to heaven, but you don't desire him like you used to. You don't desire the gifts that he has for you and the way he wants to use you. Why? Because you haven't let him breathe on you in a while. That fire's still there. It's just kind of small and it's smoldering. But tonight, I wonder if you would just, Let his breath, his wind, his Holy Spirit breathe on you in a way that will ignite not only the gifts that he has inside of you, but ignite that desire for every other gift that he ever wants you to have. In a way that keeps you at his feet, in a way that keeps you asking, Father, what do you have for me? Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I want you to continually baptize me, continually, Lord. Don't let the fire dwindle. And I believe that he has that for you. And I just, for a second, I just want you to bow your heads. Lord, we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your power, for your love, for the sound mind that you have given all of us. Lord, we want to walk in your power. We want to live out the purpose and the assignments that you have for us. We wanna walk in these grace gifts, Lord. We wanna do it in a way, God, that points everyone back to you, that builds your kingdom so you get the glory. We want your name to be great above all, Lord. And so tonight, Lord, I ask that in the circles, God, that you would move powerfully God, that you would exhibit unity in these circles in the way these women are praying over each other like they have never experienced before. God, we ask for more of your power, God, to move in our lives, in in these circles, in these moments, God, in our homes, Lord, at our work, at school. Lord, we want more of you. And God, we ask that you do it in your power and your might that we would wake up tomorrow on Valentine's Day with brand new revelation of how much you love us, of how you see us and that your love is better than any other love that we could ever experience. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.